I know I sensed heaviness the last couple of days and don't know why. And I pray, we pray against the evil one in our life. Thank you for my mom's surgery and getting her through that surgery. Thank you for all the people who prayed. We pray for little baby Tenley. We pray you heal her. We pray for um, Chris and Andrea and her parents. And we pray for our church. We pray for uh, Sarah and Corey. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for, we pray for Sharon, lost her dad. So many, so much pain. But Lord, we know that uh, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So we thank you for being a God of hope. And we pray for everyone else who's struggling and going through things. Lorraine, the young lady I prayed for yesterday in the hospital yesterday, 21, needing two lungs. We pray that you heal her, that you will be glorified in her body and her life. Thank you that you are the only hope we have. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Before we start today, we have a, a very short interview. Dave West is going to come up. Everyone give Dave a big hand. Amen. Good morning. Uh, we have a Rock Financial Life class that you've been running for how long? Ten years. Ten years. He's been here for 12 years? Twelve years. Twelve years in the church. And the class starts this Friday in all of our campuses. Right. So tell us what Rock Financial Life is all about. Well, Rock Financial Life is a class where we teach biblical financial principles and the practical habits that we all have to adopt to enjoy the more lifestyle you saw Joyce talk about on that video. Mm -hmm. So people, whenever people in church talk about money, especially in the pulpit, people's panties get in a bunch. Oh, yeah. Because they try to think you're trying to get their money. Uh, but God, tell, talk about it. <laughs> you okay like that? Yeah, grab my wallet. Here it comes. Uh, tell, us, tell us about the how God talks about, how much God talks about money in the Bible and what the topics are. Well, God is so concerned about money. He spends more time talking about money in Scripture than any other topic. But the great thing about it is... Can you say that is, again really slow because people... Let me say, okay. That. God says more about how we handle money than any other topic in Scripture. Any let me, other. Let me, let me say, he's not saying that, the, that God is saying give your money more than anything else. He just talks about stewardship of valuable things. That's what that right, is. he talks about how we make it, how we spend it, how we uh, deal with debt, how we pay taxes, how we save, how we invest, and he even talks about giving. Yeah. Okay. And one of the reasons is that how we treat valuable things and things we tend to idolize more than God says where our heart is. Mm -hmm. And so it's not only about giving, but how, you, how generous you are, how uh, disciplined you are, right. how faithful you are. Yeah how much you give God credit for getting it, all those things. Yeah, you, yeah, remember, go back to the video, what Joyce said. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision because he owns it all. And stewardship is more than just giving. Stewardship is learning how to handle money the way he wants us to handle it. And it's a lifelong process. We never get there. So God constantly challenges all of us, me included, in, in, in becoming a better, more kingdom-focused Stuart. Stuart, tell us some stories about people who've been into the club. Um, there's there's a, 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 40s, a young 40s couple that I met uh, earlier this year who were uh, drowning in debt. They were this close to losing it all. And I watched God teach them how to handle money in a, in a more intelligent way, in a way that honors him. And, and they're going from desperation to financial security in a short period of time. And they had a great marriage. 
But what's really cool about their story is their marriage got even stronger as they worked through this together. There's a, a 30-something uh, single mom who makes, mo- who makes close to minimum wage. And, and I've watched her over the years go from desperation to contentment to peace to freedom. And she still makes close to minimum wage. She's, knocking down the, she's not knocking down the big bucks. But I've watched God work in her life and teach her how to be a good steward of what he decided to bless her with. And, and, and she's living proof to me that God's principles are true, they're relevant, and they're trustworthy. He's awesome. One more example, Miles. Um, a, an older couple, a little bit of gray hair, that are on the, you know, the end of like their how careers. Old, how old is a little older than I don't that? want to rat them out. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? I love <laughs> So, so um, this is a couple that has you know, really no financial concerns, no financial worries. They're set. Yet I've watched God challenge them to become disciplined kingdom investors. And, and now they look at all the resources he's blessed them with, with a view toward how can we build a kingdom. God is so awesome. And, and scripture is so real and relevant. And, and the Holy Spirit will apply it to each one of you as he sees fit. And it's so cool to watch. So this Friday, on all the campuses, and every campus has people in the lobby and all the campuses that can talk to you about the class, who should go? If you're struggling with finances or if you're prospering, if you're married or single, if you're 25 or 45 or 65. Or you can breathe. Yeah, if you've got a pulse. If you've got a pulse, God has something to teach you and how you steward his resources. How many of y'all want to be blessed in the area? Let me define blessed. Where not where you're a millionaire, you don't have to ever have a budget, but money is not a burden to you, it's a blessing to you. How many would like that? Then you, you should go to the class. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'll see you guys Friday. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Let's see your Bibles. Let's see your Bibles. That was okay. Listen, one more time. Say word. Very good. Turn to the book of Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. It is the fourth book of the Bible in the very beginning. Numbers 20. Numbers 20. If you found numbers, say amen. Amen. If you are still looking, say amen. Does anybody know that, that Jeopardy jingle? Okay. One of the main reasons relationships, dating relationships don't work out is because the guy doesn't really know how to love the woman properly. Oh, the lady say, hey. But the other reason that the relationships don't work out <laughs> is because the woe man doesn't understand how to respect the man properly. Can I get amen, fellas? Amen. amen. Okay. <laughs> the Bible says <laughs> that a man is supposed to love his wife and slash, if you're not married, you practice by loving your girl uh, as Christ loved the church, which means you lay down your life for her. And that the woman is supposed to respect the husband, honor the husband as, as, as unto the Lord. 
if the guy does his part first and the woman has no problem doing her part and the guy we are supposed to lead and do our part first regardless of what the woman does. Amen. But it all comes down to mutual respect, mutual honoring, mutual submission one to another. Are you following me? When Jesus taught us to pray, the first thing he told us to do is that I want you to honor my father. It's the first thing I want you to do when you pray. Our father who art in heaven, holy is your name. The first thing when you pray is you honor your father. A lot of times when we pray, the first thing we do is start complaining, whining, and blaming God for what he didn't do for us. Instead of honoring him for who he is. We're in this series called What If. Everyone say what if. And we're learning how to pray the Lord's Prayer. And what does it mean to hallow his name? Now, last week we talked about our Father who art in heaven. We talked about God being in heaven. We talked about God being our Father as long as we receive him as our Father. And then we said, hallowed be thy name. And hallowed means holy is your name or to be caused to be holy or honored is your name or respected is your name. And last week we talked about that God has a role in honoring his name and causing his name to be holy. And how does God do that? God honors his own name by being consistent to who he is. Okay, God, we talked about a name Elohim, which is God, uh, uh, God, the strong one, the mighty one. And one of the ways God honors his own name is by being the strongest and most mighty God there is. He's the only true God, but other, there are other things people worship as gods. And we talked about God being Yahweh, I am, I am that I am, Ayed, Shed, Ayed, or, or Yahweh, he is, the Lord, he always was, he always will be, he is now. Nothing can create him or diminish him. God is independently God, he's the uncaused cause, the, the uncreated creator. God provides, God loves, God is here. God is always all those things all by himself. And the way he hallows his own name is to be the best of the best in everything he does. How do we honor his name? When you pray, if you want your prayers to be effective, you have to learn how to honor God's name. It's very simple. And not profane his name. Not use his name in vain. Sometimes when we pray in Jesus' name, we use his name in vain because you don't know what in Jesus' name means. You're just saying it thinking, I'm going to pray for anything. Lord, I want an I8 BMW. By the way, that car is the bomb. <laughs> and I want a hot babe in the passenger seat in Jesus' name. Brother, please. I mean, come on now. Don't, don't throw God's name out there like that. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, uh, my point is that it's a lot of times we just pray for ridiculousness. And, and, and not that you can't pray for a car and a hot babe, but you want to make sure that, God, I am praying for what I believe you want me to pray for in the spirit of what you have for my life. So what we're going to learn today is very simple. How do we hollow God's name? Because if you can honor God's name, you will pray more in alignment with what he wants for you, and you will see more of your prayers being answered in the affirmative. What does that mean? Is that God answers all your prayers all the time. God never doesn't answer your prayer. Every prayer you pray, God answers. He either says yes, he says no, he says wrong prayer, he says wait, why are you asking that? But he responds. You may not hear it, but he's responding. You want to pray prayers that happen. Can I get amen? amen? You want to pray prayers that got, come from God. So the first thing, our Father in heaven, I want to honor your name. Remember from last week, his name is his character. His name represents 
a promise. His name represents his identity and his character. His identity is also his, who he is. So when you say, Lord, hallowed be your name, hallowed and holy is your character. Holy is your identity. And you and I need to represent God's holiness. Amen? Amen. Now, Numbers chapter 20. Now, I want you to think of, by the way, I want you to think of a prayer you have in your life, a prayer request that you have in your life. And I want you to think about it as we're going through this message. And I want you to think about before you ask God for that request that you learn to say, Lord, I am going to make holy, not, not make holy, acknowledge as holy your name. I'm going to acknowledge to the world that to me, your name, your reputation, your identity is set apart from every other name. I'm going to acknowledge with my life, my words, my attitude, my faith, my response to drama. By how I do all that, I'm going to tell the whole world that my God is holy above every other God. Are you following me? That's what hallowed be thy name means. So when you pray, you have that attitude, God is going to show up. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and afro throughout the earth. Okay, afro is like, you know, a world, a globe. I'm trying to just give you a visual. The eyes of the Lord run to and afro through all the earth looking. God is looking to show himself strong on behalf of someone. I want you to think about this. Just make believe. I'm God. I'm looking. Who's going to be, who's going to trust me? Because if I can find someone who's going to trust me, I'm going to be strong on their behalf. How many of you want to be that person? Amen. You want to be, I want to be that person. I was in the hospital yesterday uh, seeing my mom. She comes home today. She had surgery um, Friday. And I saw someone in the lobby said, can you come pray for my niece? She's 21, lung transplant. I mean, she needs a lung transplant. And, and, and I'm like, God, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Be strong on my behalf for this young girl right here, right now. You want to be that person. You want to be that person. Okay? Because when, when you are that person and then you say it's all about God, God gets the credit. So God is looking for someone who's going to be loyal so he can be strong, so he can get the credit, so people can understand who he is and not who we have made him to be. Amen? Amen? In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, God says, if you honor me, I will honor you. You dishonor me, watch out. He said, you honor me, I honor you. You dishonor me, I'm going to dishonor you. So we want to honor God. God is not our servant. We are his servants. God, we don't deserve the credit. He deserves the credit. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get that in our mind. So you got this prayer request. God, I just want to honor you, and you will take care of that. You will take care of that. Okay, now in this story, two million Jews, uh, uh, Moses delivered, God through Moses delivered two million Jews from Egypt. They were in slavery 400 years. Well, it grew from 70 to 2 million. And 400 years, God delivered them through 10 plagues that he threw on the Egyptians and Pharaoh through Moses, the most humble man in the world. So they've seen all these miracles. 
They get delivered. They get to a place uh, called uh, Kadesh, and they don't have any water. And they're going to cry out to God and say, we don't have any water. We want to go back to slavery. Now, whenever you read a story, you always want to understand there's someone in the story who's God's friend. Everyone say God's friend. And someone in the story who's God's enemy. Say God's enemy. And God's friends are the people who believe God. God's enemies are the people who doubt God. They're opposed to God. And the conflict or the plot of the story is the conflict between God's friends and God's enemies. In this story, Moses and his brother are crying out to God. And all the people are coming against Moses because they don't have any water. Now, whenever you read a story, you have to identify who in the story are you like. And who in the story do you want to be like. Because you are in a story right now. You're in multiple stories. Your life is stories. You're never storyless. Are you following me? So whenever you read a, Bible, a story in the Bible, who in, this, in the story do I want to be like? Well, in this story, God is going to tell Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. <laughs> and water is going to come out. And all these people are going to be shut up because they're complaining. We don't have any water. We want to kill you, Moses. We want to go back and die. Why did you bring us out here to die? And, and whenever you read a story, again, who are you like? And in this particular story, God is delivering people from slavery. He's bringing them to a promised land. But in the process, he's teaching them to trust him. And in the process, he's teaching them to hollow his name, to honor his name. This is all of us. We are in a journey. We're on a journey from today until the day you are in heaven or not in heaven. And God has you on a journey. And you're going to be in times where there's, there are going to be times of plenty and there are going to be times of your life of scarcity. And are you going to trust God? And this is a story of who's going to trust God. Who is going to hollow his name? Who's going to say, Lord, your name is above every name. How do I tell the world that I respect your name above every name. How do I honor you and in turn you will honor me? It's not about me. It's about you. Because when you honor me, I get to honor you back. When you are strong on my behalf, I get to give you all the credit. It's always about him. Say it's always about him. Amen. Let's read the story. Numbers chapter 20. It says, the children of Israel, verse 1, the children of Israel, the whole congregation came to the wilderness of Zin. In the first month, and the people stayed at Kadesh, and Miriam, Moses' sister, died. There was no water for the congregation, so they gathered against Moses and Aaron. Uh, whenever people don't get what they want, they complain to somebody. Can I get an amen? Uh, uh, constantly, we will always be in a situation where we don't have what we want. How many, how many of you have a situation in your life right now where you're not getting what you want? What, raise your hand real high. Look around the room. Everybody say, welcome to the club. <laughs> you know how you know a little immature baby? When they don't get what they want, they go, <laughs> how many of y'all are doing that? <laughs> Moses, we don't like you. There's no water. Like Moses is in charge of the water in the desert. Verse 3, the people contended with Moses and spoke saying, if we only died when our brethren died before the Lord, and why have you brought up us the assembly of the Lord? Why did you bring us into this wilderness that we and our animals shall die? In other words, there's no water, so God wants to kill us. Uh, God is not trying to kill you. In your problem right now, your problem is an opportunity. The problem in your life that you have right now 
is opportunity. The devil's telling you God is trying to destroy you, God's against you, God doesn't love you, uh, uh, whoever made you a promise, church is not doing you any good, reading the Bible is not doing any good. The devil's lying to you. It's an opportunity. How many of you had a problem in your life? Matter of fact, let's all raise our hand real quick. I'm going to ask a question. I know the answer is going to be yes. How many of you had a problem in your life where it was like the end of the world? And then it didn't end up being that way. <laughs> Can I get an amen? It's like, okay, so look what it says. Why did you bring us to die? And then it says, verse 5, why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. In other words, there's no milk and honey like we talked about. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly. They walked away from the people to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, meeting with God. And they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. When we talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God can never be separated from the presence of God. And the glory of God can never be separated from the presence of God. The presence of God appear to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said, take your rod, you and your brother Aaron. Oh, by the way, let me just put some words in here that are not in here. Okay. Can I do that? Say no, you can't. I can't do that. <laughs> but, you know, just listen. They, they're on their face saying, God, these people are complaining again. There's no water. What do we do? They think we're supposed to get water out of sand. What do we do? We, we can't take it. We, this, this, we can't get water for all these people and they're going to kill us. They want to go back. What do we do? And God shows up and here's what God says. Remember, it's opportunity. Say opportunity. It's opportunity. The Lord spoke, verse 7, take the rod, it's a stick. You and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, get everybody together and speak to the rock. Everyone say speak to the rock. <laughs> Go to the ATM and just talk to it. I need cash. <laughs> Lots of cash. <laughs> matter of fact, I, I, I don't know, I'm not saying this is from God. Matter of fact, it's probably not. But try it today. Go to the ATM and just speak to it. <laughs> and, and no, this will be hilarious. If you go to the ATM today or tomorrow and you speak to it and money comes out, we want to know. Because God could, maybe God just wants to bless you. Uh, but if, if it happens, we want to know which ATM that was. <laughs> he says, verse 8, speak to the rock. Everyone say, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock before their eyes, in front of them. I want, you, I want them to see you speak to the rock and water will come out. Thus you shall bring water from out of the rock. Everyone say, rock. Hey. Rock Church. And give drink to the congregation and their animals. Okay, what did God tell Moses to do? What did God tell Moses? Say it again. So here's what he told Moses to do. Moses, I want you, everybody come over here. Y'all thirsty? Y'all mad? You think this is an evil place you're going to die? Check this out. Watch this. And he's supposed to do what? Okay. If he speaks to the rock and water comes out, whose name is going to be made holy? God. And people are going to think Moses is pretty cool too, but God's going to get the credit. Amen? Amen. Verse 9. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded, and Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together, just like he said, before the rock, and he said, Hear now, you rebels. Did he tell Moses to do that? You pain in the neck people always complaining. Come over here and watch this. 
Must we bring water out of this rock for you? And Moses lifted his hand and hit the rock twice with the rod. Was he supposed to do that? He didn't hollow God's name. Look what it says. Water came out anyway, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And the congregation and the animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. I would not want to be in this meeting. (laughs) Did anyone ever do this to you? (laughs) This is death. No words. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, because you did not believe me, to hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Because you did not believe me to make my name holy, to make my character holy, my compassion, you did not represent my heart. You did not hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. You did not cause my name to be honored in the sight of these people. These people think I'm mad at them. They think I'm a tyrant. They think I hit stuff. I call them rebels. And I wanted to bless them. And you misrepresented me. Do not raise your hand. But how many of you have misrepresented God? One of the reasons our culture is so anti-Christian, one of the reasons is because we misrepresent God. It's our, some of it is our fault. Straight up. It's our fault. We misrepresent God. And God said, Moses, I, talk to you, I told you to speak to the rock. And you went and hit the rock. You called the rebels. Why'd you do that? That's not what I told you to do. You didn't believe me. You didn't believe, one, that I would do it. Maybe you thought you had to help me. I don't need your help. You know, God doesn't need your help. You know, when we pray for people, uh, especially to people who get healed, you don't have to pray loud. You don't have to pray long. You don't have to touch them. You just say in Jesus' name, be healed. Because it's not about your volume. It's not about your words. It's It's not about your theatrics. It's not about your Bible knowledge. It's not about your big, your, your vocabulary. It's about faith in God. I don't want you to just trust me. And he says, verse 12, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, because you do not believe me to hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring the, this assembly into the land which I have given them. Guess what his punishment was? He, Moses was 40 years old when he committed murder. Yes, he was a murderer. And he, well, well, he was born, he was orphaned into he, uh, Pharaoh's house, he was adopted. He was raised as an Egyptian for 40 years. At 40, he killed an Egyptian because the Egyptian was beating up a Hebrew, which is what he was. Then he became a fugitive for 40 years. The next 40 years, he was a shepherd, a fugitive. At 80, God appears to him in the burning bush. He sends and tells him to go back to Egypt at 80 to start his ministry. Now he's 80 years old. I want you to deliver the 2 million people out of Pharaoh's hand. He said, Pharaoh's the most powerful man in the world. I'm giving you a stick. You want me to go against the most powerful man in the world, the most powerful civilization in the world, the most advanced civilization in the world at the time, and you're giving me a stick. No, no, no. I'm going to be with you. All you need. Me and you are a majority. Let's go. He raises a stick. Frogs come out and, and judge the Egyptians. Lice, flies, locusts, darkness, sleep, hail, blood, all these plagues on the Egyptians, ten of them. He delivers them. They walk through the Red Sea. It parts. He sees all these miracles. And he says, you're going to walk 40 years in the wilderness. And at the age of 120, when you get to the promised land, which is what this was all about, Moses, you're going to die. You're not going in. 
Why? Because you did not hollow me. So you're going to walk 40 years and you're never going to get to see the promised land. Or you'll see it, but you're never going to go in it because you did not hollow me. Do you know how many promises you will never experience in your life because you don't hollow God? You hollow you. You make holy you. You make holy your money. You make holy your job. You make holy your career, your ideas, your advancement, your cuteness. Whatever it is you got other than God, you hollow that. In other words, you say, that is what makes me who I am. That is what gives me security instead of hollowing God. And how did he not hollow God? He didn't believe him. How are you not believing God? You know, in 1 John chapter 5, I believe it says, it says, when you don't believe God, you call him a liar. Instead of hollowing God's name and, and considering it holy and superior, you call him a liar. Think about what you're praying for. Are you believing God or not? Because if you're not believing God, you're calling him a liar. You're saying, God, your promises are not true. Yahweh Jireh, the Lord provides. If the Lord provides, then you shouldn't worry about being provided for. We talked about, amen, we talked about, uh, we talked about giving. The reason people aren't generous with whether their money, their time, their things, their opportunities, their friends, the reason we are stingy is because we do not believe Yahweh Jireh. We don't believe God provides. We think we have to provide. So when we get it, we think we have to hold on to it. But if you believe God provides, you would have no problem being generous like the Bible tells us to. You wouldn't because you would say, oh, God's going to provide. The Bible calls me to tithe. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment from God. And God says he's going to bless me. Well, if God's not lying, then here you go. But if I don't trust God, I don't know about giving being generous, I, I got to hold on to this money. You know what the Bible says? That your money will sprout wings like eagles and fly away. How many of you have seen your money fly away like an eagle? <laughs> and, and when it was flying away, it was talking to you. It was going, ah! <laughs> you want to see blessings, not necessarily financial, but blessings fly to you? Trust God. Trust God. Oh. The other, and you notice there's four ways we can hollow God. One is to believe him. Two is to not, is to fear him versus fearing man. Number two in your notes, it should say we should fear God. One of the ways you, it says, God's name is made holy when you fear and respect the faithfulness of his character. What is fear and respect? What does it mean not to fear man? What it means not to fear man is that not only do you, do you say, I'm not going to, bow down to man's threats, but I'm also not going to let what I think man's response is going to be when God calls me to do something. In other words, God's calling you to do something and you're worried about what man is going to, how man's going to respond so you don't do what God says. Or you let your issues with man influence how you obey God. In other words, Moses was frustrated. And when God told him to speak, he, he let the frustration of his, his frustration with the people influence how he responded to the rock instead of his command by God. He feared man. He gave man and, his influence, and man's influence on him more respect and honor to influence his actions than God. God just said, I want you to talk. 
Can you imagine how cool that would have been? Rock. I don't know what he said to say to the rock, but rock. Start giving water. I don't know. You know how easy that is? You know how easy, it is? easy life is when we obey God? Next way, you hollow, you hollow God is that you keep his commandments. Just do what he says. God says, I want you to serve. Yes, sir. God said, I want you to uh, say sorry to your wife. Yes, sir. I was, I was with a, uh, uh, someone yesterday. He told me that God was calling him into ministry for, man, almost 20 years now. He says, I've been running from God. I says, well, here's my challenge to you. I challenge you to resign from your career that you've had all these decades in the next 30 days. Quit. Obey God. He's not going to give you all the answers because that's not what he does. If God is calling you to do something and you'll wait for all the answers, you're going to wait a long time. He is not going to give you all the answers. The just shall walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. My son, when he was little, my, my son was little, he was my wife's only son, so she was his baby. Oh, duty, kiss, 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 kiss. <laughs> we caught him in a lie. So I said, Miles, you can't, I think it was for a week, can't tell mommy you love her and give her a hug and kiss for a week. If, that, if you think that's mean, say amen. amen. Just mind your business, just mind your business. <laughs> <laughs> And I told him, I asked him why. I said, can you not give him a hug and kiss and don't tell him you love him for a week? If you think that's mean, say it's mean. Eh, whatever. Okay, here's why. <laughs> but here's why. I said, Miles, I want you for the next week to think about whether you love your mother or not. Because if you really love her, you won't lie to her. You can't say you love her and then lie to her. So I want to give you a week to think about it. So for a week, don't say, you, don't say you love her because by lying to her, you're saying you don't. You obey her. So if you, us, if we say we love God and we say we want to hollow his name, we obey him. But don't say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I love God, and then go disobey God. Those two things are contradictory to each other. And the last way we honor God is we glorify him. When something good happens in your life, you give God the credit. It's not about me. Oh, this is what I did. It was my idea. And, you know, I thought about this and I really was this. I... Shut up. <laughs> God. God wants to save you. God wants to forgive you of your sin. God wants to heal your relationship with him. He wants to bless you. If you believe him and you want to hollow his name and respect his name. By the way, one of his names is Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. Yeshua is the same as Jesus. Yeshua is Hebrew, Jesus is Greek. Same word. It means Yahweh saves, which means that God saves people. If you want to be saved 
And what I mean by saved, ask Christ to forgive you of your sin and receive salvation, salvation, or you just got drama in your life and you need God to save you from your drama. This is what God does. How do you hollow his name? You let him save you. Don't give him the Heisman. Don't push him away. Receive him. Let him do what he does. Let him do what we can't do. So in a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, Yeshua. Set aside like no other name is your name, Yahweh saves. And because that's true, I want to be saved. I am coming to you for salvation. I believe you. You want to hallow his name? Believe him. Obey him. Fear and respect him. Honor him for being the Savior. He's not your Savior unless you ask him. He is the Savior, but he's not necessarily your Savior unless you ask him. So in a minute we're going to pray and you're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Savior because I need to be saved, forgiven for the first time or I'm drowning. I'm struggling. I need God. My relationship needs God. My health, I'm, I'm discouraged. So let's all right now bow our heads and close our eyes and we're going to pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you are the God who saves. And Lord, just like the Israelites came out of the wilderness and needed water, you were able to bring water out of a rock. Basically, do the impossible. And Lord, there are people here today who need the impossible done in their life. If you realize that God loves you, and that our Father is truly in heaven. He truly is God. And there truly is no one like Him. And He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. That we would be saved. And you want to hallow His name. You want to respect His promise to save you. You want to acknowledge the fact that you believe him, that he does love you. Pray this prayer in your heart, a prayer of confession, a prayer of surrender, a prayer of acknowledgement that God is a God who saves and he wants to save you from your sin, from your situation, from yourself. In the privacy of your heart, pray, dear God. I believe you, that you are the God who saves, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin, and that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Please send the Spirit of God to live in my heart. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I surrender my burden, my pain, 
my loneliness, my disease. Save me, God. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you prayed that prayer. By standing, you are honoring the Father, honoring Him as your Savior, as your Deliverer, as your only hope. You are hallowing His name. You are glorifying His name. And you are publicly stating, I trust Him. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm just going to ask you to stand up in all our campuses, wherever you are. If you prayed that prayer or if you're saying, Lord, I just need you today. On the count of three, one, two, three. Just stand to your feet. God bless you. Very good. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.